Bless God. Are you ready to come around the Word? Is the Word ready to come around you? Okay. Well, let's begin. In relation to those who've been doing the communication course, and your structure of how you're supposed to sort things out, first number one is, do you have a title? And I was saying to Pastor Tonio a few weeks ago, there are so many times if I write a title, I don't either share it or it's for my reference, don't do something else. But today, by good practice, I'm going to give you a title. Is that all right? The title is Divers, Hamsters, or a Roland. Rule number two. Rule number two is don't let distractions take you out. So there we go. So the title would be Divers, Hamsters, or Rolands. Divers, Divers, Hamsters, or Rolands. Now don't spend all day thinking about the title, thinking where's he going, what's he doing. That's none of your business. You'll find that as things work out. But you have a title. But there was something that... If you were around last Sunday, Pastor Tony did a very, very good job in leading us in different areas, speaking about the field, how a man worked his field, and he touched on three areas, didn't he? He touched on the seed, the field, and the water. Is that right? Just want to let you know that for every one of us, we can be two things. We can be proactive or we can be note collectors. Do you collect notes or over the course of the week through your prayer time, your quiet time, do you pick up what's been said? Do you read the scriptures or do you try and outwork what God is working in? Now, I don't need a yes or a no because that's your answer because you can all nod. Only you know whether or not you're blagging me. Do you do anything with it or there's notebook, sermons for 215, 216, 217. I've got them all. It's like your panini sticker book. Apart from one where you went on holiday, you've got to try and do a swap with somebody else to get their set of notes in to see whether or not you've got your full collection. It's not about how many notes you take. It's how much ground the Holy Ghost is taking in you. Is that fair? But Pastor Tony, as I said, did a great job last week. And what I'm going to do, it's almost like the relay race. I feel this week I'm going to take the baton from where he left on and carry on running with it. Is that okay? So I want to take a scripture that he left with last week, which was Proverbs 24. Love this scripture. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34 declares this. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man who was devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And so shall poverty come on you like a robber and your need like the armed man. Proverbs is classed as the book of wisdom. Wisdom being broke down to the art of skillful living. It tells us in Proverbs, get wisdom at all costs. It doesn't matter what the price is, get wisdom. It's a, what does the scripture also say? It said, what is the price of wisdom in the hands of a fool when he has no mind for it? If you want wisdom, you will pursue it. You will look to see what you can glean, what you can grow. This morning, the radio was just on in my car when I was coming uh, to church this morning. And they were talking about um, statements that people have in life. And somebody from a school, because you know this whole thing that they set up kids now, there's no such thing as a loser. 
There's not winners and losers. There are winners and people who came second. Or these. There's something because you don't want to make people feel bad. There's no such thing as failure. Well, can I tell you in life there is such thing as failure? And you do win and you do lose. But it said this, there are winners and the things that you learn from not winning. And you go like this, yeah, how not to lose. But there is also what do you learn in the winning as well as what you learn in the losing. Yes, they must always be learning, always be adapting, always looking to see where we can stretch ourselves more and more. But I want to read you a scripture from 2 Timothy 3.16 that says this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting and training in righteousness. So that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all of scripture is for my benefit. Some of it correcting, some realigning, some celebrating, whatever it is. It's all so that I can be fully equipped. How much equipped? So he says there should be no area in your life that God cannot speak into. Finance, relationships, bereavement, acceleration, celebration, loss, whatever it is, hardship, whatever it is, the situation you find in your life, God can and will speak into it. Yes? Pastor Tony used the brilliant scripture this morning from James, didn't he? He said, if you are sad or if you are out of kilter, let him pray. If you are happy, let him sing. If you are sick, let him call for the elders. But I've just uh, said to Pastor Tony as we were just chatting at the front, one of those things is, but what about if you just feel indifferent? Your life should not be about indifference. It should, would always be moving towards something, shouldn't it? Amen. There are so many things we can celebrate. But in this whole subject of I went past the field of the lazy man, I want to pick something up for you this morning because I got, I know I say this a lot, but I got excited as I was stripping this stuff together because some things came into my head, saw some things for the first time and other things I'd seen and kind of it reestablished in my heart. But look at this just for a moment. I went past the field of the lazy man. Let's get some boxes tick. He was the owner of the field. He had seed. He had irrigation. He had a harvest, yet it produced nothing. So everything he needed to take him forward was found in his field. Well, it's all right for you. I haven't got a field. Well, he had a field. Well, what about seed? It's God who gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Pastor Tony said to me in the car last night, coming back from the gym, well, Phil, are you giving us bread or are you giving us seed? I said, I'm giving both. If you need bread this morning, then take it. If you need seed, take it and sow. Amen. So he had seed because his crop was overgrown. There was irrigation because his land was watered to produce something in the first place. He had a harvest because it was coming and dying in the field. Nothing was produced. And I tell you something, it tells us in Genesis, and this will remain, seed time and harvest. The promise to God is seed time and harvest, can I tell you, if you're saved or if you're not saved. Because the sun will shine on the righteous and on the unrighteous at the same time. God says, if you plant seed, it will bear fruit. Yes? So you didn't get super spiritual because you put your seed in the ground. God said, what will remain is seed time and harvest. The seed will carry in itself the core DNA to produce once you put it in the right environment. If you take it out of its packet and put it in some soil, put it in a nice place and add water, your seed will start to grow. Yeah. Nothing special about you apart from following some simple steps. 
So let me tell you this, because you won't like this, but I'll tell you anyway, because I like you. You just praying and wishful thinking will not change anything. You just say, oh, Lord, I wish I could do that. Get off your blessed assurance and go and do. You praying, oh, my God, I wish I could talk to someone. Open your mouth and talk to someone. What was it that Pastor Tony said? Pastor Tony said this morning about your action and your response to it. Your response will determine the outcome, won't it? Your response will determine what happens in your field. The missing factor from the lazy man in the field is one word that we don't like in church. It's called productivity or work. I must move to productivity. The productivity will allow me to take out the weeds, to make sure it's watered, to make sure that there's no bugs on it, to make sure the irrigation works, to make sure I will have a return for the work that I have put in. I can sit on my hands... Here's the thing, they got to the time of harvest, they're putting all the hard work, and when it's time for me to glean my reward, there was nothing left. Why? Because I'm being lazy. Productivity is what changes things. But here was a key phase of um, phrase that we said in this scripture. I looked on it and I received instruction. I looked at the state and I received instruction. So what lesson does God want us to learn from looking at the field or the vineyard? Whether it's a field or a vineyard, they are both purposed for one thing, to produce an end result. The vineyard, your garden, whichever description you want to use about it, your field, it's not just to look good. It's not just to smell pretty. It's for an end result, to produce a harvest at the end of it, isn't it? Let me read you the scripture from 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8 and 9. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. So you're rewarded according to your productivity. Yes? Now, this is the best bit. I like this bit. Verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. I said, you are God's field. So I am rewarded for the work that's done in the field, but you are God's field. Now remember something. God turns around and says, here we go. There is a field. There is seed. And I walk past the field of the lazy man, and I demand an outcome. Now I looked at it and see what I could learn. Now if you are God's field, do you think he's going to sit back as a lazy man and make sure that you're not worked on? Is he going to plant in you and not do anything with it? Is he going to make sure that you're watered and then do nothing with it? If you are God's field, he will demand the return that he expects. Now, here's the thing. We talked about that field. You've been bought with a price. God owns you. Yes? The fallow ground was broken up in you, enabling God to sow the seed of faith in you to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal savior. So my ground was broken up. The seed was sown. The ground was watered for one sows. Another one waters, God brings the increase, yes? 
he tends the vine. It tells us in John 14, doesn't it? 40, 15, about him being the gardener and the way that he deals with the vine. He cuts back every branch that does not bear fruit. The angelic, it tells us, will be the ones who bring in the harvest at the end of the age. There will be separation between wheat and tares. God demands a return on his investment. Because I'm saying to you, as the scripture says this morning, I received instruction. I took wisdom from when I saw this field. And the way that they see the field and said it produced nothing, God will not allow you and I to stay that way. My God, thank God that he cares for you so much, he's willing to keep working with you. He's willing to take out your weeds. He's willing to de-slug. He's willing to deal with that Japanese knotweed that gets in your life. That You know this terrible thing about Japanese knotweed? We had a little bit in our garden. It's a pain. Pain in the backside. You know, you can't even take it to the tip. It can't be disposed of in certain ways. Allegedly, allegedly, if you follow the council's regulations, you will get a company in who will dispose of it on your behalf because it is so um, virile. It will spread as you put it one place. And this thing is so strong, this weed, it will punch its way through six inches of concrete. It has got the strength to push through. In your life and my life, where has there been so much Japanese knotweed that whatever covering I try and put on it, whatever, I've used bark, I've used bits of stone, I've used them bags of chippings, I've put everything down and that sucker keeps popping up and I've poured on my weed killer, I've done everything and it keeps on coming back. What areas in your life does God say, I am moving in as a specialist to deal with that Japanese knotweed in your life. Let's deal with it once and for all. Why? Because I'm willing and demand a return on the investment that I put in you. Do you know what? When I look at that, I have to say one thing and address myself in one way. You might not like it, but I like it. I am of value. Now, I can say that of me. I can look you in the eye. I can smile and I can say I'm of value and I have no problem with it. Now, the issue is, can you tell me you've got value? I know it's louder because I've got the mic, but there isn't much of a response coming back. I am of value. God bought me with a price and he's willing to work me and nurture me and do everything that I can do so I will bear fruit and I will reflect him. Amen. Now, there's two parallels I want to touch on. So allow me to dance from foot to foot. Is that okay? Two parallels work like this. One, the field, and the second is the race. Pastor Tony has been doing a brilliant job about describing the race, what it means to us, what we do, what don't we do. But I'm going to extend on that slightly this morning, okay? And maybe just punctuate in certain places. But the two parallels work like this. I work my field to produce a harvest. Yes? Bible. Field, sow the seed, produce and grow, and then have the harvest at the end of it. Correct? I run my race to receive the prize. One is a harvest, which is fulfillment of the work I have put in. The second parallel is that I run the race to win the prize. At the end, both of them have a desired outcome. Would that be fair? Yes? Both have the same desired result. What is the result of the sowing in my life or running of the race? That is to produce in you and me the mature son 
that the likeness of Jesus Christ is formed in you and I. So the end of my race must be that I look like him. The end of the harvest must be that every branch in me that bears no fruit, bears fruit because it brings glory to the Father. What is he doing all the time that Christ's nature is being established in you and I? Now, last week, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, we should all been dancing through. It was sunny, wasn't it? You all had your chocolates, you all had your flowers. I sat in the car with Mrs. Miserable. Right, she had a face like a... A robber's dog, I tell you, in the car last week. Because three questions messed with her. And I hope those three questions messed with you that Pastor Tony gave last week. The questions went like this. What have you achieved? What do you want to achieve? And what is your passion? And then we sat there like the robber's dog. And what I've achieved? It's only little. And you fall into the little old me. So we was having a drive, forgetting the flowers, forgetting the chocolate, and we was doing the, let's get down on, get off autopilot, we're on to manual, and let's bring her down, so we let her have a rant for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, because you've got this, and you've got that, and you've got the other, and am I telling the truth? Yes, yes, I'm telling the truth. So we had all of this, and then you just step in with let's have some perspective. Now the question is, did you make any room this week to ask yourself those questions? If not, why not? Because they're all there to help you expand and grow. Do you know you see these bottles? You see the advert on the telly, don't you, where there's a man with a hanging basket? And he went, it's me, for 14 years I've had hanging baskets, I've been here. But now I am award-winning basket hanger of the year, Tameside, because I use Grow, And by putting this in there, everything produced 10 times what I'd ever placed in there before. Thank you, Miracle Grow. Have you not seen the advert? <laughs> seen the advert. Plant, no plant. Okay? These things that Pastor Tony or I or whoever's here at the front start to share into your life, if you take them put them into your life and start to apply, will help you produce a greater result. But if you want to say, I have a bottle of Miracle Grow, but I'll leave it in my greenhouse, good on you, leave it in your greenhouse. But stop complaining when somebody else's basket looks better than yours. Moving on. So we ask ourselves the question. All I did was take it and start to turn it around. We came on full pointy stick in our car, to turn perspective around, because it helps. Because the first place, and no doubt the first place you went to as well, is what have I done? What have I done? What have I done in my life to say I've achieved? What have I done to, what do I want to do? I've come to the place, what am I passionate about? And Ange got all kind of, she was all wiggly in the middle somewhere. And it was almost like, in my mind, I saw this instant picture. Ange was talking but Ange was in the fun fair, in the Hall of Mirrors. Now, you've, do you remember the days when we had a Hall of Mirrors? Before you had a computer, yeah? Before you could do everything on your phone or your iPad. You used to go out. You'd go out, and sometimes you pay your shilling, and you go in the Hall of Mirrors, and you went, that one makes me look tall, that one makes me look short, that one makes me all wobbly like the horizontal's gone on your telly. All them kind of bits perspective was lost because you wanted to perceive it in one way. 
And then when you bring back context and you bring back the process of what was being said, you're able to step and see your true likeness. So many of us are living in the hall of mirrors where everything's a bit out. You see yourself taller. I've got one of them mirrors. You see yourself taller than you actually are. There's one that makes you thinner. I don't need that one. You get these different mirrors, but what is the perspective that you actually need? You, anybody ever been to the optician? You been to the optician? You had that really annoying thing when they've got, you're in an appointment, it's 15 minutes, and they've got one 15 minutes after you. So you sit down and you put on them glasses that feels like you're wearing a welder's mask. Better, worse, better, worse, worse, better. Is that one better? Is that one? And they're spinning it all around and you're going, hang on, can you put it back? Because you're like a magician here, your hand's going that quick. I haven't a clue. I don't even know what day it is, whether or not it's better or it's worse. When we apply scripture to our lives and we're hearing what God's saying, better or worse? Am I better with it, better without it? And all the time we're applying to make sure we can look at that process. So let me just play my little turn the game round. Instead of what have you achieved, as in done, let me turn to what my perspective is. What have you become? So when we're looking at the achievement, what is being achieved in you? Not just what are you doing with what's been achieved in you. Because when we look at it and say that I am a field, I've been bought with a price that he loves me and he works on me and he nurtures me and he causes me to grow for the end result that Christ is being formed, I look this way. So in the area of achievement, what fruit level am I presently carrying in my life? Because scripture says it can be defined. Are you 30, 60, or 100-fold? What level of maturity level is being based on you? Is the Christ being brought through to maturity in my life? Yes? What do you want to achieve? Do you want to have a changed life? Are you willing to partner with him as a co-laborer? Do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Do you want to leave legacy? Do you want to hear that when I leave you behind, you are there and you are my glory, as Paul said to the church. You're the glory. You're the testimony written by, read by men when I, they look at their lives. The forming of the Christ will affect your humanness. What do I mean by that? As I decrease and he increases, it's for the Father's glory. Did that mean that God wanted a billion invisible men? I'm seen, but what is being seen is the Christ being reflected in me and through me. What do we want to achieve? In the achieving is the, the desire of my heart. God, I need the Holy Ghost to form the Christ in me, that the potter keeps his hand upon my life, that I am a vessel that can be used in the house, that I can be used for his glory, that I'm moving forward, I'm bearing fruit, I'm reflecting him, suddenly changes the perspective on what you achieved. Now, please, hear this in context. He causes me to be so that I can do. But we want our kind of 
status and understanding of what we are in what we do rather than what we've become. If there is no Christ being formed, stay a busy fool. But when a Christ is formed and being established in my life, that will reflect what I am. Does that make sense? Both need their part. But if you only look at what I'm doing, you're losing what I'm becoming. Yes? What is your passion? What was Paul's passion? That I may know him and the power of the resurrection. New creation realities. Where I'm sat, what I'm done, that I'm a son, that I'm an heir, that out of me can cry the spirit of Abba Father, that he wants to partner with me, that I have value. All of these things that he calls me a son and a daughter, that I'm clean, I'm made whole, that he's um, everything that he has, that the backing of heaven is behind me, that they're pushing me forward, that he wants me to do well. He wants my life to flourish. He wants my life to blossom. All of that is what is my passion. My passion is by living the way I live, I can put a smile on his face. Here we go. What's your passion? Well, uh, my passion is uh, caring for uh, one-legged blind lesbians. Uh, My uh, passion is find whatever your passion is. There will be an expression for every single one of us. But my passion is, what is the first commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. What is my passion? To love him, to pursue him, to be around him, to put a smile upon his face. See how these questions say something different when you, better, worse, better, worse. We change perspective a little bit. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it tells you this. That to as many as called unto him, he gives the power to become sons of God. He's given us the power to become, and in the becoming, we go and do. Charismania says go and do without becoming. It puts the cart before the horse. There is a saying that goes like this. God made the church the way he wanted it. Now he wants the church the way he made it. Take out all of our ideas of what church growth is and how we expand everything and how everything's wonderful. What does he say? He says, form the Christ. And allow things to work from there. Not just go and do, and then somewhere on the line we'll try and add some character. Please. If you see anything about the nature and character of God, God always, especially when you read the Old Testament coming through, because you see the longer stories, God worked on somebody in private before he ever launched them in public. Now we go, Tony comes through the door, he'd been saved two minutes, there he was, it's uh, one of those, he used to be a drug dealer, he was a drug dealer in Tameside, he did this, that and the other. We go, right, he's been saved, get him on the pulpit, let him start preaching, because what he can do is he can tell everybody how somebody who actually had a changed life was going to do everything. But we've never formed character, we've never dealt with arrogance, we've never dealt with motives, we've never dealt with anything. Inside of you, you must be becoming. And in the becoming, in we can celebrate and move forward rabbit trail i'm allowed one on our rabbit trails we were like this now we know that paul wrote the uh, the majority of the new testament is that correct so what we have is we have the teaching we have the doctrine of church whether it's worship it's moving in the gifts whatever it is he laid down the patterns but out of everything that paul said is the first 
Which of the elementary gifts is it? Is he speaking about faith? Is he speaking about baptisms? Is he speaking about anything? Or does Paul say of his own life, I labor with all of his energy until Christ is formed in you. So out of everything he said was the mechanics and the working process, a model for carrying the church forward, the most important thing that ever came to your life is, is Christ being formed? In your field, in your race, can I run as a mature son getting over the line? Can I have in my field, my God, I move from 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. 100-fold is not 100 times more than what was put in. It's I have maximum returns on the investment that you placed in me. And your maximum uh, return is not my maximum return because your race is not my race. And your field is not my field. Does this make sense? In your field or race, if you don't give attention to the correct areas, poverty will come on you like a robber. Poverty will come on you like a robber. Back to a question from a few weeks ago. Who is wealthy? Two of us. We'd left last time with everybody being wealthy, didn't we? Poverty will come in your health, in your family, in your mind, in your emotions, in your finance, in your possessions, in your talents and skills, without even looking at the area of your spirituality. When I don't pay attention and work in the area that he's speaking to me, poverty comes in like a robber. Three areas of a robber. Those who've been robbed, because we're all smart, we've all got home house alarms, we're all on our best behavior, we've watched Crime Watch, but those of us who fall by the con man. So somebody comes in and you believe a con or a lie or a deception and you're taken in and you've lost your lifetime investment because somebody's phoned up and says, uh, good morning, this is the Royal Bank of Scotland. Uh, my name's Trevor. There has just been something that's happened on your account. Can you please give me your username, password, your four-digit code, the name, name of your mother, what was your dog's third leg called? All of that, and you go, oh, well, I've had this. And you know these scams are getting smarter and smarter? Oh, they're getting smarter and smarter, the way that things work. I, in all good faith, oh, the bank has phoned me. He's not said I'm overdrawn for a change, the bank, but the bank's phoned me. And so I hand over my details, and he comes in like a robber and takes away. What about you're minding your own business, you're walking down the street, and somebody sticks a knife under your throat and says, give me your wallet and your phone. Then they take my phone out and say, keep your phone, just give us your wallet. <laughs> then they realise I'm married, and then they have a whip round amongst the mates, and they give me some money. <laughs> What's a wallet? And the final one, the worst one, the worst one that ever has an effect on your life, is I'll use the American term because I think it has more of a kind of kudos to it. A home invasion. Home invasion is when your personal space, somebody breaks in. And they invade your space, which takes away your security. You go in, what's it? You don't feel safe there. How many people move because they were burgled? They no longer feel safe, yeah? But in the areas that you do not pay attention, the animal come in like a robber, and we are left with the end results. Give attention to where you should give attention. Paul also says this in Galatians 5, 7. He makes his statement. You were running a good race. So who cut in on you? So the two things. Because we've all got these. 
Deflections and distractions. You know what we do? Somebody comes in, Pastor Tony deals with you, taps you on the shoulder, excuse me, can I have a word? Chris taps you on the shoulder, excuse me, can I have a word? Somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, excuse me, I have a word. What's the first thing? Um, yeah, how come you've done this? And we go straight into deflection. Well, Adam did it right in the beginning, didn't he? You, get to, you need to get to Genesis 3. It was the woman you gave me. There's always a reason why you don't do. There's always a reason why it's somebody else's fault. Yeah? There was, we had a, a, an instance just a couple of weeks ago. We, we got little Rubster, and she comes to our house, and we've got the dog. Now, the dog's getting cheesed off because the dog's nearly 12. Now, the dog's running out of patience when you're four, and you're playing the <clears throat> let's chase you around the room game. So when the dog gets fed up, it decides to have a harrah at you. So it has a harrah, then Ruby gets shouted at because she's cheesed the dog off, and then because you think the dog's going to bite her, the dog gets there and get out in the garden. It gets one of those. And then Ruby starts, why it was all the dog's fault. I was on Nana's iPad doing my letter numbers, as she called it, because you can't say alphabet. I was doing my letter numbers, and the dog came to me. And the dog came to me, and I gave her a tickle, and then she was running. She was running, and I was just stood there. Deflection. <laughs> Deflections and distractions. What does it say about the people that were invited to the king's feast? One said, I've just bought a field. One said, I've just bought a new yoke of oxen. I've got to try it out. Another one says, I've just got married. There's always a reason why it can't be you. Do you know there's never a perfect time? Never a perfect time to have kids. Never a perfect time to get married. There's never a perfect time to go on holiday. There's never a perfect time. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and get on with it. But the thing is, stop using all these things as your excuses of why Christ is not being formed and you are not becoming. Yes? Well, it's all right for you because uh, I'm quite busy because I work shifts, so it's really hard to establish a quiet time. Sort yourself out. Because 10 minutes ago, you were telling me about, I was watching the Man U game the other day and blah, blah, blah. Hang on a minute, you had two hours to watch a football match, but you have no time for where your passion should be. Because we come back to what's your passion question. Because rule number one, you will always find time and room for the things you want to do. If you don't want to do it, the hordes of hell dragging your backside will never make you do it. You have to move to where he is. So let's just pick up on the race very quickly. Is that all right? So let me ask you a couple of questions. So you can have a nod with me if you go in. Okay, in this race, are we all called to run the race? I said, are we all called to run the race? Right, so we can all respond then, can't we? So we're all called. So I take it there's no exceptions. It didn't turn around and say, we can all run, but if you're below this age, if you're over that age, if you're male, you're female, it's half-closing Wednesday in Tameside, you can't run. Yeah? Everybody's called to run, that's fair? Yeah. Are we called to finish strong and in faith? Yeah. Not, I'm just going to get over the line. I'm just going to... I've read the scripture, and the scripture turns around and says, there is a, a core... There is a people who will get over by the skin of their teeth. Now we're attacking members. Because I'd rather live any way I want and have a skin of teeth kind of race 
and say I'm still in the race than think that I'm giving something up and I'm going to give it everything I've got. Are you called to run with strength and to finish strong? Did you, have you noticed how the volume level has just dropped? Let me drop in there. Do you understand that the race that you're in is unique to you? The race that you're in is unique. In Hebrews 12 and 1, it goes on. It says, there is a race that is marked out for you or for us, depending on the translation. There is your race. My particular race that I run, my field of endeavor, the place where I flourish is in the area of business. So when I look, I should be looking for returns in that area because it's my field of endeavor. Does that make sense? Now, you're not all in business, but what is your field of endeavor? Where you've been placed, are you bearing fruit? Is the Christ being formed and can people see it? All right. Do you understand that when you run the race, you run according to the rules? We hate rules. Oh, no, I'm a free spirit. I'm a free spirit. I, I tell you. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed to run according to the rules. I am free to follow the rules, not free to do whatever I want. One is a spirit of rebellion. Another one is, my God, Father, I come in line to what you're saying. and I apply myself according to the way you say things should be applied. We don't like that one. Because you know what? They always say, Pirates of the Caribbean kicks in here. Pirates code. Not so much rules, more, more a set of, thanks Anne, she was watching Pirates of the Caribbean the other day. They're more a set of guidelines. This is not a set of guidelines. This is how you established and set up your life. It's not down to personal interpretation. You can have personal interpretation. Of course you can, but follow the rules. Yes? Do you realize that in your race, your job is not to be comparing your life to everybody else around you? Do not compare your race or life to somebody else. Because we've already covered this and we won't give it time. We've all seen the person heavier than us in the gym. We've always seen somebody eating more in the a much-as-you-can-eat buffet. There's always someone else where you go, if I compare myself to them... I'm doing better. But let my, me compare myself to the pattern, son. That when I'm looking to the pattern, son, we've all got work to do. Is that all right? So I don't go, oh, well, uh, it's all right for you. You had this. I didn't have that. So what? It's called life. Get on with it. Get on with it. Yes? There is a great leveler. Great leveler works like this. The process is the same in the race, whether you're a professional or an amateur. If you are running the 100 meters as an amateur, how far are you running? If you're running as a professional, how far are you running? But you still want to finish the race. Is that fine? Did I just make that too simplistic? The rules are the same. The thing that is different is the amount of time that can be dedicated by the professional to that race or that ability. That makes sense? 
you'll always be running a race, you'll always be in your field, but for the, for the professional, it's tunnel vision for the end result. The way he eats, the way he sleeps, the way he rests, the strategy in the race. When can you get your pointy elbows out when you're doing the 400 meters to push him out of the way? All of this stuff, it's strategy, isn't it? This coach, the professional has a coach who will say, right, oh, Chris, when you go, he's, he goes off, he's like a rat out of a trap, woof. But he's used all his energy in the first 200 meters. And then by the time he's getting to the line, he's got nothing left in the tank and everybody else is just jogging past him because he went off like a shot instead of knowing how he can balance things through. And on that note, do you remember the story of the tortoise in the hare? Tortoise in the hare. The hare got, was there, arrogance, bouncing around. Look on YouTube if you don't know the story of the tortoise in the hare. The Disney version's the best. So you're there. The, t- the hair's going to the tortoise, you're rubbish, look at me, I'm super fast, the ladies love me, I've got a white tail, my ears flapping the wind, it's all going, I've got go faster stripes, it's all going on. I've got 118 on my shirt, it's all kicking off. He's there, and what does the original story say? It's an Aesop fable, really. He turns around and says that the tortoise became disillusioned with the hair's arrogance. The arrogance that we have of thinking we're becoming and doing and hearing and everything else will cause us to become disqualified in the race. Sometimes slow and steady wins the race. What's the old saying? Slowly, slowly, catchy monkey. Sometimes it's just keep going, your perseverance, the ability to get to the end and finish strong that when they had their race, for those of you, I'm sorry, it's a spoiler alert, just in case you were going to look at YouTube, spoiler alert, the tortoise wins the race because of distractions and deflections. The hare was, it says he was chatting up the girls and he had a sleep and he had all the stuff that goes on. Tortoise just kept on going and he finished his race in faith and finished with strong. Who was dejected? The hare because his arrogance will not allow you to get to the field or get to the, the finishing line. Warning, if there's an arrogance that is produced in your heart and the heart of the leadership in this house about what God says or what God does, you realize that what's happening in us will be moved back to another generation. We will forfeit what God is doing because God opposes the prowess but gives grace to the humble. Preparation meets opportunity. Jamie's 30-minute meals. Anybody? Have we played the Jamie 30-minute meal game? It can't be done. The 30-minute meal. Well, it's not even how you can make yourself a cheese sandwich in 30 minutes. This is how you can make yourself a three-course meal in 30 minutes. And he goes, the key to all of this is preparation. Put your kettle on and make sure your pan is hot because you're not waiting for that to boil and you're not waiting for your pan to come to temperature because it's already ready. Is what's been worked in you that I work out what he is working in? Yes? Preparation meets opportunity. That all this is starting to change. So this morning, I'm going to give you some very quick tips as being your spiritual trainer. Is that all right? So we've got a coach this morning, me. I'm going to push on to some areas really quickly. So let's start with some basics. Is that all right? Before you start to run, get your house in order. These are so basic, you can build your life on this. Number two, take off everything 
that hinders. Is that scripture? It's time to declutter your life. Start to declutter, start to get rid of your deflections, start to get rid of your excuses, start to get rid of the woe is me. That was your past, but what is your future? Does your past dictate to your future or does your present dictate to your future? You decide. What are the perceived obstacles? So that if I'm going to run, I'm going to work my field, what are the obstacles I'm going to face in life moving forward? Some things I know today and others you kind of, you can plan for. You go, if I do this, this, and this, that I know that's going to come around the corner. I don't see it today. I don't have to deal with it today, but it's something that's moving on the horizon. Put on the right things. So if I take off everything that hinders, I must put on what will then enable me to finish the race strong. Have my feet shod with the gospel of truth. Whatever it is, if I'm, use the old King James, girding up my loins, if I'm tucking in my robe so it fits inside my belt, I've took everything that's not going to cause me to fall over, what do I need to declutter to make sure that I can get there and finish strong? Amen? Next one, stretching. Amazing, one of the most key things you can ever do is stretching. Are you flexible enough to deal with the demands of the race or as soon as you start, as your hamstring on? Because you, you didn't warm up and you were all giddy, you were there. As we said, you've got your 118 t-shirt on. This is it, I'm going. And as soon as the boom, the bang went, you went off, ooh, and I'm hobbling round because the whole thing of why don't you just take some time, just warm up, limber up. Have you seen the people that when they're doing the uh, sprint final, they get in the blocks and they've got their own, maybe like one, two, three, and they run and they run halfway down the track. They go back and they do it several times. All about muscle memory. They do things a certain amount of times that when it goes, they can respond in the right moment. Am I stretching myself in the area of my thoughts? Remembering that whole thing of the inability to learn, unlearn and relearn. Much of what you do is a mind game. Pastor Tony and I, when we go into the gym, there are days when we hit the car park and I'll look at him across the way and maybe he'll say it or I'll say it, but it's more him saying it than me saying it, is this. You know, today's a sauna day, don't you? Today's a sauna day. But do you know what we don't have in our gym? A sauna. So we've got no excuse anyway. I might feel like this, but get out. And then you get on that machine and you realize you can be a marathon runner extraordinaire that first five minutes, it's a mind game. And some days you can go in there and you go, do you know what? I'm 17. I'm 17. There's nothing I can't do today. You're on there and you're like a gazelle. Yeah, it's all going. You're looking good. There's no sweat coming off. It's there and you go, 45 minutes, 45 minutes. The week before, five minutes, you're puffing and panting. I'll do the walking bit now. I'll do the walking. Should we go and have a coffee? Well, it's all the things that kick in. This is the mind game that you've got to deal with, yes? In this thing about being flexible, an old wineskin cannot contain new wine. Have you built a flexibility in your life to deal with the capacity to expand? The more that you become on the inside, your internal spirit man has to expand to be able to reflect what is happening on the inside. Even vocalists warm up. Even bad ones. Even bad ones. I have seen Britain's Got Talent. I have seen X Factor. 
Some of them sound like a goose in the fog. But even so, they're still giving it a do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la. And they go through, don't they? What's that guy called? Alfie? Who? Alfie Bo. And he's doing the advert now, isn't he, for the fisherman's friends? He pops one in, la, 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 la. And he's going through all of the, see, this is why I leave worship. Going through all of the processes in there. Even somebody where vocals are concerned learns to warm up, but we just think we can just jump in. As we said, as that spirit man gets expanded, I need to be able to say, that might have been my past experience, but my experience from today is, I'm willing to see again. I'm going to hope again. I'm going to believe again. Do you know what? I'm going to go again. Instead of staying where I am, I'm getting up and I'm going again. So why not you? Why not here? Why not now? Nutrition. In the nutrition, you must stay hydrated. Out of you will flow springs of living water. Just skip past these very quickly. There must be food in your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many times, I had a bit of an aha moment with myself just yesterday, but how many times have you heard it when people say, you know what we need in the church? We need to get back to the word. Need to be a people of the word. Anybody heard that apart from me? Yeah, we got, you need to be a people of the word. Smith Wigglesworth turned around and said that the end time revival comes when the church has the spirit and the word together. And then I had my aha moment. So allow me to have my aha, aha moment. We've thought for so many generations, we say we must be a people of the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. When the mature son is established in me, and the Holy Ghost backs that up, then the spirit and the bride say, come. The word must be real in my race. The nutrition I need is him, not just the written word. Does that make sense? Where the power comes from. Direction. Do you know where you're going? Or inside your head, when you hear the starting gun, did the Benny Hill music start? Did you just suddenly hear da -da 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 -da, and everybody just goes in any way they want? We are called to run a race set out and mark for us. They didn't just say run like a crazy fool. Run according to the rules and the chart that's set out for you, Okay. Follow direction. You must stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. I write myself one thought here, which is my cold sweat nightmare moment of when Pastor Tony and I use the illustration many times. When we did the marathon, we're running the Manchester Marathon. It was Piccadilly, Piccadilly, uh, Piccadilly, two six something. Oh, I can't remember back in the days when Piccadilly was something else. Two six oh, two six oh. We run that marathon. In my head, all we've got to do is get to Platfields. Get to Platfields, it's fine. Because the 26 miles weren't a problem. And then we get to Wilmslow Road to cross over, to run into Platfields Park, and there's a man going, turn right, turn right. No, my world, I was ready to punch him in the face and have a scrap there and then. He wanted another half a mile to run that way to come back. No, because I'd set out, this is where we stop. 
And once you said where we stopped, my mind didn't have the capacity. And it was the one piece of encouragement I had in the entire race from the big fella. But no, keep going. And that's where you get your kick because I'm having a moment now. I'm having a moment because I don't want to follow that direction. Can you be called on at a moment's notice? Preparation meets opportunity. Do you know what I thought of this? Goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, the only people who have a gun who go and get their wages every week. Because if you're a goalkeeper and you're a reserve, how often are you getting called up in a game? So you turn up with your bag of chewing gum and your new gloves. You do a warm-up. You sit on the bench at the end of the game. You go and get back on the bus. You don't even need a bath. How often does a goalkeeper get injured to bring another one? It's not like, oh, the goalkeeper's tired, get a new one. It's, are you ready at a moment's notice that I'm agile, I'm still warmed up, just in case something happens and I'm called in? Deal with the diver very quickly, because so we get there. Diver, hamster, or a Roland. Diver. Lloyd Scott was a guy. Lloyd Scott run the marathon in five days, eight hours, and 29 minutes, whilst wearing a deep-sea diver's suit with the lead boots and everything. Now, you can imagine, these weighed 20 kilos each. You know you're running like that. See you in a minute. The marathon is hard enough, and I don't have to tell you because I read about it. I know because I've been there. It's hard enough without you making it more difficult for yourself. When I make the race more difficult for myself, it's normally because I have a religious mindset that ignores what he has done for me, that he's bought me, that he's cleansed me, that he's made the way. And I feel that I must punish myself in my race to make it worse. So I feel like when he looks at me, I can think I was worthy of finishing because I made it harder for myself. That diver mentality. Look, you're running for charity. People would pay you without the diver suit. If you had a mate and you went around and went, Chris, will you give me a fiver? I'm running a marathon for uh, Christie's. Yeah, of course I will. Uh, will it be any more if I wear a diver suit? No, it's a fiver. Right, I just thought I'd check. <laughs> we make our race so much more difficult for ourselves than we should. Hamsters. The great church delusion. We get hamsters in church who are continually on their own wheel, feeling like they're going somewhere, like Billy-O, they go over and over and over again. But can I tell you something? They do not give you a medal for running on the spot. If there was a running on the spot medals, hamsters would get them. But we are called to get off our wheel and get into the real world. But when we're in church, we're just on our hamster wheel. We touch God, worship was fine. But what is being built in you for you to take back outside into your field of endeavor? Can you still run your race when you're not in an enclosed environment? Finally, Roland. Who was Roland? No. Mark Roland. Mark Roland is the guy who is the British champion that'll keep you going is the British champion champion at the steeplechase now think about a steeplechase and why I chose this guy is something that's maybe quite prevalent because when we think about the race so often people say is it like a marathon it's not a sprint it's something in between I kind of realized that our race is more like the steeplechase 
Sometimes it's going up mountains and sometimes it's going down valleys. That there are obstacles to get over. Sometimes I'm flat on my face in the water, feeling like I'm going to drown in three inches of water. But I've got to get over an obstacle and keep going. And my shoes are wet and I've got a blister and I'm going again and I'm going again. It's more like an obstacle race, a, a steeplechase, than what it is a, a plain sprint. You know, the great thing of this is I wrote this scripture down. The scripture goes like this, that for you and I, we need to change our perspective, our hall of mirrors of what we become. The scripture says, doesn't it, never see yourself more highly or lowly than you should. Yeah, but I have a correct perception of you are. So we're out of the hall of mirrors and now seeing myself. And then he turns around and says, this is how beautiful you are, remembering that we have value. It works like this. I and the children that the Lord has given me are made for signs and wonders. Caveat, we'll put a comma and not a full stop, as Pastor Tony says, just because of pause. You are made for signs and wonders, not golden wonder. <laughs> Our lives reflect that golden wonder in front of the telly rather than us being made for something that a kind of gold life can be exciting. This Christian walk is not all about a dirge. This is something that is producing something in me that demands a result. Do you realize, if nothing else, the grandstand of heaven is cheering you on? I know I've used this before, but please bear with me just very quickly. What the little boy with the five loaves and two fishes? His mum sent him out with a packed lunch one day. His packed lunch changed 5,000 lives. Scripture records the lad with a butty box. What about the servant that turns around and says, if my master would only go and see the prophet in Israel. It's one thing of your life being lined up to that moment. What about Philip? Philip was there, a deacon. There he was, he's working in the kitchen. He moves from the kitchen to see a revival. From a revival, he moves from revival to national transformation. From national transformation, he gets to be the first, first character ever in Star Wars and in Star Trek. Two to beam me up. He meets the man, the Ethiopian eunuch, on the road, does he not? And the spirit took him and took him too. Oh. No bus pass, no saver seven. There's no, but he just went, just in a moment, he was carried along. What about the woman who washed Jesus' feet? And the scripture says, and what she has done will be remembered in the entire world wherever the gospel is preached. What is being built in so that can come out? So final thing, final thought to finish with in our conclusion. I said conclusion at the end. What are you achieving? What are you achieving? Do people thank God that they met you? Or do they thank God that you left? <laughs> Answer that one yourself. And on that great and glorious day, when we shall go to be with him and I have finished my race with strength and I have received my prize, what have I got to lay down at his feet to say, my God, this is your work in here. I co-labored with you and this is our prize. And I lay it down in worship to say the crown, the medal, the fruit, this is all yours, Lord. For what you did for me, it's a reflection of you. So if wisdom is the art of skillful living, 
and I looked and received instruction. What is the Lord showing you today? And what are you going to do about it? The missing ingredient was productivity. Will you take something to action? A little sleep, a little slumber, folding of the arms causes poverty to come in like a rubber. Who in here is still wealthy or has bone idleness allowed us to be robbed? Let's stand to our feet. I just pray this morning that, you know, sometimes we're saying exactly the same things, but it just can be a different voice at times. That the Holy Ghost is touching us the way that he wants to touch us. Encouraging us, they're cheering on, get back in the race, get back in the field. May that mature son be formed in you, be formed through you. That I labor with all his energy that the Christ is established in you. I must work out what he is working in. Amen. So let's just raise our holy hands just for a moment, just before we finish. We say, Holy Ghost, we pray today. Just seal your word upon our lives. Lord, we thank you for what you even started to say to us at the start of the meeting today about those who are in need, about those who are happy, of those who are sick. Lord God, how each one is an action of moving towards you. And Lord God, Father, I pray for every race, for every field. I pray, Lord God, Father, you've invested in the athlete. You've invested in the field. You've given us seed. You've given us a nutrition. You've given us a, a, a name. You've called us all that you desire us to be. Lord God, Father, your word tells us you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord God, Father, we choose today to take off distraction, we take off deflection, and we take ownership of where we are. And my God, Father, we say where we've hobbled in the past, where we've let things go, maybe, Lord God, where we've not been faithful when you've been faithful. Lord God, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name. Start as a day. May this be a new day. Cause us to hear the sound of the gun again. Cause us to hear the grandstands of heaven as we race towards you. Lord God, but may the Christ be established, may be matured, may there be fruit upon our tree, being glory to the Father. Break us out of a hamster mentality, Lord God, and enable us, Lord God, to run our race in a place where people can see where it reflects you. Because, Father, we are sealed in this today that, Lord, you and the children that the Lord has given you are made for signs and wonders in our generation. Lord God, we accept that call. We accept that charge. We say yes and amen to you. And, Father, we look forward to testimony after testimony after testimony as people run their race as they work their field and produce fruit in their field of endeavor. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Amen.